stand back more? Oh. Good morning. My name is Keone Cadman. It's such an honor to be here this morning. Sorry. Um, thank you so much, Randy, for giving me the opportunity to speak today. And um, thank you, friends and family who came out to support me. And it's just so awesome that I get to, to bring God's word to you this morning. It's such an honor and a blessing. I am so blessed. And um, thank you, Mikella, for reading the word. And, um, this morning, the picture I want to paint is is basically the gospel um, in everyday life, everyday worship. Um, and uh, I know most of us, we have busy weeks, family's crazy, busy jobs, busy life. And um, the picture I want to paint today is, is family worship, or even if you're single, is worship in your heart every day, every moment. And... Uh, So I'm going to give a little overview, and then, and then we'll pray, and then get into the text. So I want to give some context of Deuteronomy 6 before, before we get in it, and then I want to point out some difficulties that we see in our life today that makes it kind of hard to um, practice everyday worship. And then I want to get into our text for our solution, like what does the Bible have to say you know, in, this mit- in the midst of such a crazy culture? And then I want to get into um, how to avoid legalism. You know, taking it too far. Amen. And should I scoot back more? Is that no? Okay, come up. Okay. All right. So the context is uh, th- so the Israelites, you know, God's people were in bondage to Egypt for about 400 years. Then God raised up a leader, Moses, to raise to uh, set his people free from captivity and. Um, God, God did so through many miraculous signs and wonders. And um, here, we, here we are in Deuteronomy 6, and, and Moses is charging the people before they enter the promised land, um, take care lest you forget. And he's, he's, he's constantly reminding them of, of who they are, where they came from, and he's encouraging the whole, whole book. And um, unfortunately, it's sad that... Um, that Moses actually can't enter the land, so he's charged up, ready to send them out because he actually hit a rock in anger and he was unable to, to go into the land. And so he's, he's giving them wisdom and from God to, to go into this land. So in Deuteronomy 6, that's where we're at today. And so let me pray and we'll get started. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your awesome kindness to us in that while we were yet sinners, you sent your son to die for us. I pray, Father, that as we've had a hard week or or having a difficult season in life, I pray that we would cast our cares, cast our burdens upon you, knowing that you care for us. Thank you, Lord, for bringing Randy and his family back safely. And um, I pray that you would... uh, Continue to be honored and glorified in this church and in your people uh, for the furtherance of the gospel to here in Maui and to um, our nation and the ends of the world. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak today. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me, that you would uh, give me your words to say. Thank you so much for your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, some difficulties. So... We live in such a busy, busy, busy culture, 
and materialistic and basically an anti-Christian culture, um, which they're calling us intolerant now, which is basically, you know, they're being intolerant of us, which is kind of crazy. So we, we, that's the culture we live in. We're bombarded on every side, and it's very difficult um, to be a Christian in this day and age. Um, but that's why we have, to, we have to stand strong in the Lord. And it's hard because a lot of parents are busy. They don't have time to intentionally disciple and train their kids in the way and instruction of the Lord. And um, it's hard. These kids don't feel understood. They feel confused as they, they go about their day. And they're hearing one thing in school and they're hearing another thing at home. And um, today, I, I really want to paint a picture of biblically of what it looks like to not only raise children, but how to, you know, practice worship every day. And when I say worship, I don't mean pulling a hymn book out of your pocket and singing a hymn. I mean the overflow and the abundance of, of the heart, you know. And so, um, and technology is being abused. Thank you, Nick, for last week bringing the word on technology is theological. Technology is not evil, but it's not good. It's how you use technology. And, and oftentimes, we actually, a lot of people abuse it. So that, that's some of the dangers. Um, and then um, next slide. Um, also, another thing is that our children are leaving the church. So statistics say about 70 to 80% of our children have nothing to do with spiritual matters after their first year in college. And this should concern us because they're, they're bringing, we're bringing them up and we want to cultivate that, that atmosphere where worship is every day. And um, Luke 6.40 says, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he's fully trained will be like his teacher. And so I want to encourage us to really focus on raising up a spiritual army for God and um, setting the example, even if we don't have kids, to disciple and mentor uh, people. And so I just encourage all of us to really examine our lives, examine our hearts, um, to see what, how we're living our lives. And um, so, so those are some of the problems of today. But what are, what is our, what's our uh, solution? And so as we go to Deuteronomy 6, um, there's four things that I really want to point out. The first thing is having a vision of the beauty of the, and glory of God. And then we'll get into these. And the second, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with your whole being, verse 5. And then three, I want to point out that we need to remember where we came from, that we were once dead to sin, that we were dead in sin. Um, and then four, Know our God is a jealous God. And so, first point, having a vision of God, just being so captivated upon the beauty and the glory of God that everything else in this life is so small in comparison. And um, verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so our God is an all-consuming fire. He is one. There is no other gods before him. And um, 
It's amazing. And so I want to read Isaiah 40, verse 11 through 18. These are just some of the scriptures that when we think about God, let's think how grand he is. Because so oftentimes we get stuck in the slums and we miss who God is. And having a grand picture of God is so key. It says, He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what, or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? And who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon. Lebanon was one of the largest forces in the world. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel nor is beast enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing in emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? So basically what I'm trying to say is, do we have this vision where the nations, the, the billions of people in this world are like a little drop in a bucket compared to the vastness of God? And so on the, on the next slide, our little... A little view of God in our life basically equals little worship. We're not going to worship God if we, if, if we view God as the old man upstairs or, or some, a small view, you know what I mean? So that's the, that's the first thing, is having a, an awesome, glorious vision of who God is. And I was so blessed to be able to uh, teach the youth here. We just got done with the attributes of God and and learning who our God is, because learning who our God is is so critical in everyday life. Because our God's, there is no God like our God. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay, second point. You shall love, verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your being, with your whole being. It says with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, basically everything you got. How do we do this? Well, 1 John 4, 19, we, we sang it. We love because he first loved us. Isn't it awesome? God just is not waiting up in heaven, waiting for us to love him first. God sent his son into the world, his eternal son, to take on our punishment for us. He did that. He made the first move. I'm so thankful that that he did that because I would have never came to him. Praise God, right? Praise God. And so we love because he first loved us. So when it's saying you shall love the Lord your God with your whole being, it's basically remind yourselves, remember the vision. Who, what do you have in your mind of who God is? And then love him with the love that he has shown us. And um, second, we love as we teach. And so, how many of you have prepared for something and you had to teach something and you get to know the material 
really quick because you're going to teach it. And likewise, when we're teaching our children, when we're discipling people, we, we get to know more of who God is and what the gospel is. And likewise, when we're teaching, God's word is going to continually be on our heart and our minds. And it's this ripple effect. It's awesome. And um, he says, teach them diligently. When you think of the word diligently, what comes to mind? What comes to my mind is Olympic athletes. They're diligent. They wake up early. They go to bed early. They watch their diet. They manage their time. They watch what they eat. There's so many things they're looking at. They're, they're diligent. Um, it says, let the word of Christ in Colossians 3.16 richly dwell in us. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. Are we allowing the word to richly dwell in us? On that whole diligentness, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, I love this. This is Paul saying, do you not know that in a race, remember the Olympics? In a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize. Only one gets the gold medal. So he says, so run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath or a crown. But we, an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and I keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself become disqualified. You guys see what he's saying? These guys, they, they wake up early. They discipline their bodies. They're putting all their time and energy into this wreath, this crown that's going to perish. It's going to crumble. He's like, how much more so? We have the riches and the glory and the treasure of God, which is imperishable of life and godliness, which has implications for this life, and it says, and the life to come. So um, how do we do this, though? How do we teach? How do we practice this? I'm so glad you asked. Here we go. <laughs> In verse 7, so it, the, it, it first starts off talking where. So where, where do we do this? Well, it says, you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk on the way. Basically, if you're in your house, outside the house, that basically settles the where question. That's basically all over the place. Whether in the grocery store, at the beach, wherever, at your workplace. Life is full of lessons. Little son Billy, hey Billy, look, look at that bird. That, that bird doesn't think about what he's going to eat tomorrow and he doesn't gather into storehouses and barns. And yet God cares for us and feeds us. Hey Billy, look at that lily of the field. Look how it's arrayed in such beauty. And Solomon, the richest man on earth, was not even arrayed like one of these. But God clothes us. That's what, that's what we're talking about here. Life is full of lessons inside and outside the home. And then the next, next portion answers the question, when? It says, when you lie down and when you rise. It's basically morning and nighttime. 
cultivating a time and a place um, where you diligently read the scriptures and, and maybe sing a hymn, a, a song that, that, that glorifies God, that, that has Christ's exalting Bible verses in it. Um, Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Okay? But his delight is in where? The law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. We think of law. We, don't, we shouldn't think of, oh man, the commandments and this and that. It's, it's his word. It's, it's, it's his instructions, our guide. We, we are so weak. We need help. And um, blessed is that man who meditates on the word day and night. And the, and the verse goes on, he shall be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season, and all that he does, he prospers. It says, the wicked are not so. They're like chaff. They're like chalk dust that the wind just carries away because they have no root. They're founded in themselves, and we don't last. So basically, our time in the Word doesn't have to be this elaborate two hours with commentaries coming out our ears and... No, just, just gather the family around and spend 10 minutes reading the Bible. It'll grow from there. If it's, ever, it's a, if it's ever a time where it starts being, the Word of God should never be a drag to us. It should, be, it should give us life, like food. We look forward to eating because it gives us life. How much more so the Word of God? Jesus said, for man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And so I just want to encourage us today let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. Amen. And he doesn't care if you've gone to Bible college or have your master's in this or that. Just flip open the Bible and let the Holy Spirit teach you. Let your, the Spirit be your guide. Yes, it's good to have commentaries here and there, but to first develop a time where you're reading and cultivating that time where you spend as a family. And if you're single, just get... Get in the habit where you're spending devotional time together or, with, or invite a friend, basically cultivating that time. Um, the verse uh, continues, verse 8 and 9. So we answered where, when, and then how. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Um, so they actually used to because they didn't all have Bibles, so they actually took some paper and strapped it to their hand. But praise God, we live in 2015, and our technology is more. We have iPhones or Android phones, and we can set reminders on our phones to remind us of this glorious God. And they, they used to wear them between their eyes to always remind them. And praise God for technology, we don't have to do that. You know, we have, like as Nick pointed out, Let's use technology for the glory of God. Amen. Let it, you know, we can write, we can have awesome paintings on our walls to remind us of the beauty of God. We can, you know, have little things in our dashboard of our car to remind us of the glory of God and not get upset when this guy is driving like a maniac on the road, you know. Um, but let us use just any means of grace to remind us because we're so prone to wonder. The Israelites, remember, they've seen a sea of million, like hundreds of gallons of water just split in two and then they pass through it and Pharaoh and thousands of his army 
were crushed. And they still, like the next week, made a golden calf and worshipped it. Our hearts are so prone to wonder. They literally seen fire come down from heaven. They seen the glory of God, and they still rebelled. How much more so us? We shouldn't think that we're this mighty people where we're so strong. It doesn't matter if you've been to Bible college. It doesn't matter if, if you're even a pastor. We need that, this psalm. I need you every hour. So know yourself. Know that we need these reminders. So why do we do these things? Okay, okay this is good stuff. Why, why should we do this? I'm glad you asked again. Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 11, continuing on. It says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, that's nice, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, that's awesome, and cisterns that you did not dig, that's great, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. The main point is so that we will not forget. Like I was just saying, we are so prone to wonder, so prone to leave the God I love. Please take my heart and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. We have so many things in this world to distract us. There's, you know, TV, you know, just good, even good things like clubs and, and um, you know, community groups and different things. But let us really not neglect our first love, which is God. Um, so God created us dependent upon him. God didn't create us to be these independent people. We need God every minute of every hour of every day. So do whatever it takes. Um, whatever it takes. So we also need the word of God to make war on our sin, to kill sin, to fight sin. It says the word of God is a sword of a spirit to slay, to put to death the deeds of my body. Paul says, I beat my body every day, lest after preaching I be myself become disqualified. There is a seriousness of it. Psalm 119.11 says, Lord, I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. We need it. It's ammunition. There is a war. The question is, are you seeing it? And I pray you will. Galatians 6, 7. Um, sorry. Oh, yeah. 6, 7, 3 says, do not be deceived. Why? God is not mocked. For whatever one, for whatever one, let me restart that over. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. I put these pictures up here to show, because we don't really live in an, I mean, we kind of do, actually, no, that's not true. We have cane, cane grass here. So if, if 
If HCNS never watered their fields, it would look like the one on the left. But since they rain, or since they since we have rain here and they 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 water them, they grow. It's the same concept with us. We need the word, and what this verse is saying is, God's not mocked. He's not like, oh, I spent this much time and I'm going to get this. If we're sowing into the flesh and we're just giving God minimal time, minimal time, our hearts are going to look like that on the left. But if we are cultivating an atmosphere in our hearts and in our lives where we're constantly reminded, we have that large view of God, we're worshiping, you know, Paul says, pray without ceasing. That literally doesn't mean, okay, I can't talk to you at the grocery store because I'm praying right now. No, it's, it's whether you eat, whether you drink, do it all to the glory of God. Amen. It's not this robotic, okay, I'm going to, you know, pray now. I mean, it's good, it's good to have times where we pray, but it's, it's your heart. God looks at the heart. For, for man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so, if God's not mocked, if you're spending minimal time with him, you're going to reap that. If, if you're spending time with the Lord, sowing to the Spirit, from the Spirit you'll reap eternal life. And so, some good, some good questions to ask yourself um, is what are we filling our, filling our time with? Are we filling it with good things or, or maybe not so good things? Or maybe they're just, they're, okay things, but they're kind of distracting us from the main point. Or how much family time are we having? Are we even sharing a meal together? You know, are we so busy where it's always eating on the go, we have no, like, quality time together? Uh, Do we read the Word of God together as a family? Do we sing together? What what does the atmosphere of our home look like? So those with with children, I, I encourage you to engage your children at an early age. Um, like Nick was talking about last week, before the world does. Because the world is speaking to them. The world is. Whether through the internet or through outside, at school, wherever. It's speaking to them. But it's it's not the good message most of the time. And um, we need to cultivate that. And so, um, my, my third to last point, or second to last point, we need to remember where we came from. We were once slaves to sin. We were once dead. Dead. I love Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, in the passions of our flesh, we carried out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That was us. Just like Israel was enslaved to Egypt and they were getting whipped and beat and they were kept working hard, hard. That was us spiritually. We were slaves to sin. There was no hope for us. But then God in his grace, this is the gospel, God in his grace sent his son to bear our load, to bear the wrath that we deserve. So, how, how, do we, how do we cultivate this? By remembering where we came from. It's good to, to know that we're loved by God, but remember that we were. We're not any longer. We're not slaves to sin no longer. We're slaves to righteousness. 
And so, so Christ is that promised land. Christ is the land flowing with milk and honey. Yes, one day he will destroy this world. He will destroy the heaven and create new heavens and new earth. But while, while we live here in this land, let us set our hope on the gospel that he will make all things new. And we have been redeemed. And let us go out from here making disciples, setting people free. Also, in verse 14 through 15, let us know that our God is a jealous God. He says, behold, I will have no other gods before me. No other gods before me. He loves us so much. It's just like a husband and spouse, a wife relationship, where if, if a husband sees someone with, with his wife, that, that's a male, and they're... They're just hanging out, you know, alone. That's, that husband's not going to feel, you know, um, he's going to feel jealous, and it's a righteous jealous. And um, this is what God says his jealousy is like for us. He's a jealous God. There's no other gods before him. And, and so What are, what are the idols? What are the other things that we are serving that we're making an idol in our life? I just encourage you, just examine. Let me spend some time after just thinking, how, how is my life reflecting of the gospel? Are there, am I making some other things the main thing other than God? Because what's the point? I mean, there's no point in just coming to church on Sundays and and just hearing a message and then living like the rest of the world. Um, but let us, let us encourage one another every day, as long as it's called today. If Christ is crucified, then we, well, Paul says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then we are of all most to be pitied. Then this is nothing. This is meaningless. But if Christ is risen, if, if the Son of the living God came to save us from our sin, from the wrath, then we, we have the good news. and We are his ambassadors, God making his appeal through us. So that is awesome. And so some of us may, may lean too heavily on the other side where we might become legalistic and Pharisee, like a Pharisee, um, where we take it a little too far I, I love this. This is humbling for me because I was raised in a Christian home and um, I so easy can relate to this where I make it about myself and not about God. So this is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes. He says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Basically, they sit in the position of authority. He says, verse 3, So do and so observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay on the people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with a finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the places of honor at feasts and the best seats in the house, the synagogue. 
and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. Examine yourself. Because you, there's two ditches. There's not worshiping God enough and there's worshiping yourself and thinking you're worshiping God. There's, there's, we always have to be careful one extreme to the next. And so it's, it's right in that center line that we need, we need each other. I need you. You need me. We need each other to remind ourselves. And so I want to just paint this picture of single life, couple life, married life with children, without children, where we're worshiping God. We're cultivating an atmosphere of worship every day, everyday worship, whether you're out in the grocery store along the way in your house, um, the family that is built upon the rock. What does Jesus say about this? Matthew 7, 21 through 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. How? Who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew on and beat against that house. But it did not fall. Why? Because it had been found on the rock. It's Christ. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. You see, believers and unbelievers alike, they have trials, you know. People die in their life, um, people get sick, people get stolen from. It's, It's how they deal with it. As Christians, if we're on the we're on the rock, right, of Christ, we have, this is in our home. We have, we have, we have been seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And um, the rains come, the storm comes, the floods come and beat against our house, the, our soul, and we will stand because we are founded on Christ. Amen. And um, so life is full of trials, full of distractions. So I'm almost done here. I want to encourage you guys as you live your week, to just really root yourself in the Word of God. If you don't already and you have a family, cultivate maybe 10 minutes in the morning before you go to work. I know sometimes it's hard rushing out the door to work. Maybe in the evening, before or after dinner. Say, hey, kids, let's gather around. Let's, let's read the Word. Let's maybe sing a song. And um, let's cultivate this. And um, if you have not yet turned from your sin, I encourage you, turn from your sin, turn to Christ. He is an overflowing fountain of grace and truth, and there is life, and life more abundantly in Christ. And um, I encourage you, in behalf, on behalf of Christ, to be reconciled to him. And so, a little bit of review. So, painting a vision for, the, for family discipleship and worship in the home and outside the home. One, having a vision. Next slide. Have a vision of the beauty and glory of God. Oh, sorry. I guess I didn't put it up. Have a vision of the beauty of the glory of God. Remember, what is in here? What is in your mind? Whatever is in here, that's what you're going to start worshiping, become an idol. Second, love the Lord your God with your whole being. How do you do that? Well, when you wake up, when you rise, when you sit, when you, along the way, just cultivating it, right? Third, remember where we came from. Remember, you were slaves. We were slaves. If you're in Christ today, we were slaves, but we're not any longer. Remember where we came from and remember where we're going. Remember who we are in Christ. And lastly, 
know that our God is a jealous God. He is jealous. He will have no other gods before him. So pray that. God, sanctify me. Please remove all the idols in my life that I'm serving other than you. Because we're blind. Sometimes we don't know it's an idol, but we have to pray for it. And thankfully, we have brothers in Christ that Michaela comes up to me, hey, Michaela, or Keone, I believe you're in sin here. Oh, really? How? And then you engage. You, it, we, should, we should cultivate humility where, where we can come up and encourage one another for love and good deeds. And, and so pray for that. And so family is really at the heart of God. Whole picture of Father, Son, his spirit dwelling in us. And so, last, last verse, last slide. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of glory, he may strengthen you, or he may grant you to be strengthened with power, he may strengthen you to go about your week with power and in your homes through his spirit in your inner being. Why? So that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I pray that over you guys. And um, receive the benediction. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly in our homes and in our lives than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So I'll be over here if anybody wants to talk about what I've been talking about. If, if, if you have never, um, or if no one's ever explained the gospel to you, I would love to explain it further. And um, if you have any questions, I'll be over here. Thank you so much.